Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sue Costello. Hi, everybody. It's me, Sue Costello. Here we are in the Boogie Down Bronx, me and Walker. And we're all together again, but alone. But we're together. What's up? All right, so today, this is what I want to talk about today, Walker. I still want to talk about the guy-girl thing. I want to talk about, I put up, I just put up on my Instagram, feminist. Small F-E-M, big M-A-N, small I-S-T. And I know people are going to be like, we're not for the men. But that's what woman stands for, for a man. People, like, I can see how they like, we're not for the men. But I, but if you think about it, our energy, we have such, like, like, the feminine energy is very, very strong. We're very creative. We, I mean, we can have people. We can literally have people. That, out of, we can grow a person in our body and have it. So, and the men, like, we've talked about this before, like, the destructive side of the men, the masculinity, the ego, the, even the physicality and the testosterone. And, uh, but women, we have, we have really strong power if we can, if I, I mean, I'm figuring out how to harness it. I'm, I'm figuring out how to handle both sides of myself. That's what's going on. Cause this whole, like, putting people in a box. We're going to talk about that in the next episode to like a big extent, like in terms of art and commerce and trying to take the artist and put them in the box so you can make the money and the, and how do you do that and how do you express yourself and make the commerce happy and do the whole shebang. But today we're going to talk about this male and this female thing and this like really what it's going to take to navigate it. Like I, it's, it's going to take a while. Like everybody keeps asking me because of course it's in the vernacular, it's in the press and everything and everybody keeps asking me, what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? And I'm like, well, we have to talk. First, we have to talk, and then we need the money. I put that up the other day. I'm like, give us the money. Pay us equally. And everybody wants to sweep that to the side. It's so, I was talking to, I was on this big meeting yesterday with a guy who used to work at one of the big TV companies, and he was asking me that, and I was like, it's, we need the money. The press is sexualizing us still, and they're not telling stories about the financial aspect of all of it. I mean, everybody knows. Everybody knows that women get paid 70 cents, 77 cents on the dollar. Yet they're still talking about only sex. And the way that we're going to have the power is if we get the men to give us some of the power. But the men are not going to just give us power. This is what I said. This is how I felt about Hillary with the smiling. Everybody wanted Hillary to smile. The guys wanted Hillary to smile. And she wouldn't smile. And all like uh, women in yoga, and they were like, why does she have to smile? Why do we have to smile when we're walking down the street? We don't have to smile when we're walking down the street. But if you want something from somebody, you have to give something from, to somebody. That, I mean, at least that's, it makes logical sense to me. You can't just tell everybody what you want. And get, I mean, I guess it, now as I'm saying it, I'm like, but that's kind of what the guys did. <laughs> the guys just did get to just take what they want. But we're not men. And I've talked about this before that I feel like the guys think we're going to kill them because what they did to us. And I don't think women are going to. I mean, there's how many people have always said that women should be president in charge of the nuclear button and everything because we, are, we can do more things at once. It's just a fact. Guys do one thing at a time and women can multitask. I mean, that's like, I mean, we can have babies out of our body and still go to work. We can bring home the bacon, fry it up in a pan, and never, never, never let you forget you're a man. Okay, I'm not going to sing anymore. This is the second <laughs> single that we'll be releasing. I'm really going to learn how to sing because they told me I couldn't sing when I was little, but I have all the moves 
and I have all the energy. I just don't have the tone. Is that what it is? I'm missing the tone. I didn't even know how to count. In the pitch. <laughs> I didn't even know how to count. Like I don't. I used to teach aerobics. I had no idea what I was doing. I just winged it on personality. I had no idea. Like the one, two, three, four. And then I used to hang out with this guy. He's a musician. He's like, so you can do it. And he showed me how to like one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. So one day I am really going to learn how to sing. But I love that. Like, uh, I don't know. There's still a side of me that likes that whole feminine thing. I like it. I don't think it has to be all or nothing. And so, okay, so so we'll, let's start with, I did a podcast on Monday and I did, and it's interesting. I mean, this what's going to happen for everybody to change is going to be a lot of change. And like I said, guys are going to have to give us some of the power, but I don't, the reason why I'm saying for a man is like, I want the, I want to help the guys help us. Cause I, well, I don't think I'm going to get anything if I just say, give me the money. The guys are going to get more scared. They are getting more scared. Everybody's like, what do you think is going to happen? So I'm like, I think the abuse is going to happen worse if we don't, handle it in a healthy way. And yes, we can do a million things. And so for men, like almost our energy could calm these guys down is what I'm learning. I'm learning that if I can use my feminine energy in a po positive way, and believe me, if I, I said that, I said, if I was running for president and they told me they wanted me to smile, I would smile all the way to the presidency. I would, I'd get a gold tooth. I'd get one of those, what do they wear those? <laughs> those things that the rappers wear what are they called those you know they put the gold teeth over your teeth that's what i would get and i'd just smile i'd be like ah, i'm gonna be president <laughs> i just so it's like that whole idea of like what a, this power struggle that's not getting us anywhere that's actually hurting us in a, in a way and uh and that's not to say that that women don't have a point and guys don't we both have a point but what it's going to take because i'm able to sit still a little bit during so i did this podcast on monday and i show up and right away, the guy says something to me like, you're, forget what the first thing he said to me, but the second thing he said to me is, you're very active on social media. Are you an addict? Are you addicted to it? And right away, I was like, oh, 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 you're going to attack me? Is this how this, this is that how this interview is going to go? You're just going to attack me and then you're going to make me vulnerable and then you're going to squeeze all the truth out of me? I go, no, 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 no. I go, first of all, it's my job, social media. <laughs> and second of all, like, what? And then what happened was he got embarrassed. So this is the beginning of the interview, okay? And he got really, really embarrassed. And why did he get embarrassed? Because I called, I don't even like called him out. Because called him out puts the emphasis on me like I'm looking for something to call out. It's like, no, I just stood up for myself and didn't want to be attacked after I was invited to somebody's podcast that I'm bringing my talent to. Like, that's what was going on. But the way it gets changed into like, you're attacking me or you're calling me out. It's like, no, you just attacked me. So that, that brings me to the story. This summer, I was hanging out with this guy and he was like, I show up in, at his house. I'm staying there for the weekend. And he starts like in the morning, like pushing the boundaries, pushing the boundaries, pushing the boundaries. And I'm like, okay, I didn't come here for that. I felt like you wanted me to take care of him. And I was like, I came here to kind of relax. I can't do that. I just want to have the weekend to chill out. And like, I mean, you can talk about a few things, but the way he was pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And then by the end of the day, he, I said, if you keep doing this, I'm not going to be able to stay here anymore because that's how you set a boundary. You tell them and then you stick to it. You don't threaten and then not stick to it. I was, believe me, I was leaving if he did not stop. And he was like, you're impossible. And I was able to stand on my body and go, no, you're impossible. You just pushed me from the second I got here and all I did was show up for the weekend and you're telling me that I'm impossible. And I was like, oh my gosh, you got to be like a goddamn ninja all the time, even if you're on vacation. Like, look what goes on. 
And it's like, the, and maybe it is the male ego because I was thinking about how we were brought up. We're raised like to to tiptoe around it, to nurture it, to give into it. This, and I don't think that's the truth at all anymore. I think we need to crush it. <laughs> oh, that went right through my whole body. We need to crush it. Well, I mean, think about that. Like, what are we doing? I don't. I'm gonna crush that male because it's stupid. It's really dumb, and it's like what turns people into bullies, and it makes them dumb, and like makes them like um like uh in a fog is the only way I can describe it. It's like it makes them in a, like a they can't hear you because they're in this egotistical fog. Do you have a thought about that? I feel like you do. No, I I had a question. What yeah. is the difference between crushing the male ego and not fighting back? Okay, so the difference between crushing the male ego and not fighting back. So crushing the male ego means crushing it by giving it back to them. So you mean fighting back like if I was to fight with that guy on the yeah, radio? Yeah, exactly. Because that would be good for him because then it would t- then he would have like a fight and his podcast would have a fight and then it would be at my expense. Sue Costello came on and she fought. I see. And that, it's funny you're asking that question because think about the psychology of that. What was he really doing? Oh, I love that you asked that because look at he was, that's what he was trying to do and talk about sexism, talk about like, what is, I sit down and bam, he's already, oh, I love that you asked that because see, that's why the conversation works because I'm not always, com- even when I'm awake, I can't do everything. I need people to be, I was thinking that on the way up here about people being a mirror, like even my, this podcast, like I don't, I'm not, I don't know what I'm doing. And nor do I want to make it perfect. I would rather, even if I repeat myself or I go back on something, I would, I like people write in the comments, so you said this and then you said that. And I would be like, oh, because I'm not awake all the time. And I think that's where we're all in so much pain because everybody's trying to be awake. So you saying that to me just helped me realize, oh my gosh, that's what he was doing. He was trying to start a fight. And you know, what's kind of ironic is that by not playing into that and not giving in and fighting, you are in a way crushing his ego. Yes. That's what I mean. And it's better for him too. That's what I mean by being for men. That's what I mean. I don't mean rolling over. I don't mean being a wuss. I mean, it's almost like being the good mom instead of the bad mom is the only way I can describe it. Because my, my favorite saying is don't become your boyfriend's mother because then he has to find a girlfriend. That's one of my favorite sayings of all time. Because <laughs> think about how unsexy it is if you're like your boyfriend's mother. And that's the truth. I mean, if you really want to get into it, it's like, that show Mind whatever on Mindhunter on Netflix, you want to talk about male-women relationships, watch that show. He talks to those guys that are in jail, that like sexual predators and maniacs and everything, and he talks about it and compares it to the mother. And that's what that guy on vacation was trying to get from you, like mothering. To, yes, and because I do have like, a, they, they sense my strength, and I do have a kindness to me, and I used to fall into it all the time. Because it made me feel good. It made me feel like they would like me and just all my own baloney that I was feeding myself. And it's what, the way you socialize as a woman to like be a caretaker. But I was even thinking on the way up here, but you can be aggressively caretaking too. You can also do that as a form of control. That is where I see this is what people don't understand. I swallowed all of my own side of the street. Like I stopped doing all the things that would cause me to like have weaknesses or where people can poke holes in it because I'm like, no, I'm very aware of that. My people pleasing was a form of control. So think about like if you got mad at me and I people pleased you, that's a form of control. That's a worse than like even like being straightforward because my people pleasing you is trying to control your response to me. I don't want you to be mad at me. So I'm going to overly be kind to you. That's not fair to people. People should be able to have their feelings the way that they want. At least that's what I think. People should be able to have their feelings the way they want to have them. So, okay. So back to the, the podcast. So the guy, so he does that. Right. And then we start talking about, um, so then there's like a little bit of awkwardness 
but it is. I'm, I mean, it, this, who knows what he was coming to this interview with? He wanted to attack me is pretty much what happened. There's no doubt. But do you know how many years in my career I've had to not only like to not react, to sit with it, to be like, what? And now what's really happening is my guy friends, because I'm clear and I'm able to do the business, it's making them so frustrated because they're like, it doesn't make sense. Why are they doing it? And I'm like, it's sexism. And the guys are getting more and more rageful. And this is what I mean by being four men. This is what I mean about crushing the ego, like crushing the baloney ego so that we can actually have an experience together so that the guys can help us. So my guy friends, the guy, the guy at the meeting yesterday, they're all starting to see it because I'm pragmatically telling them what's going on and they're having the rage that's proper to the situation. And they're actually helping me because I'm like, I need comfort. It's happening to me all the time. And so when the guys reflect it back to me, and I've said this before, my guy friend came to the comedy club. He's like, Sue, why do you only have one spot and all the other guys have four spots and you were funnier? And I don't say anything. My other guy from Boston, he's like, that guy sent you to talk to that lady because he's a sexist. I'm like, mm-hmm. So now coupled, like, so the, what's going on in the climate, coupling with what my behavior's changed so I can sit still a little bit, they're starting to see it. And it's taken me so many years. Okay, so we're back to this guy. So, so then he says to me, um, I say, oh, I've always, I've always told the truth. He asked me about my childhood or something. And I said, well, I've always told the truth. I've always seen stuff before it happened. And people have literally screamed at me my whole life. And then the next minute he's like, so how did you become so angry and shrill? Something along the lines of that that he said to me. And I was like, excuse me? Attack. Number two. Okay, so see, even talking to you, like, I'm like, that's why this podcast is so good. I don't care if anybody listens to me. I'm getting it out so I can keep going in the world. Like, Work it out. Process it, Sue. Right? Work it that's out. That's what I'm doing. I'm literally <laughs> processing my life on this microphone. I'm like, I just want to talk and say it. Because I used to be, and I feel like everybody listening knows what it feels like to feel isolated and feel like it's you. Because that's what used to happen to me. And I it would be so confusing. because, And so I stopped him because it's very scary. And we've talked about this before on the podcast about standing up when the guy's doing something shameful, how they get more shameful. And that's why women are afraid to stand up. And I said to him, um, I said, oh, you see what you did there? And he goes, what? I go, well, I said that people yell at me. And then you said that I was shrill and angry. I go, and that's what would come out the, mi the microphone. Oh, I know what he said to me. I'm sorry. The, he, he first asked me how I don't let other people now fall into other people's narrative of me. How do I be myself? And then he did that. And I go, well, you just did that. You just tried to bring me into your narrative by saying that I was shrill and angry. I said, and I said, people yell at me. I said, and that's what would have came out that microphone if I didn't stop you right now. And then this whole conversation would have been about everybody thinking that I was shrill and angry. And that's what everybody would have thought because he dictated and he was the man and it was his show. And he would have told the listeners what they should be hearing about me. That's some deep, heavy. And then he, so for the rest of the interview, he had to sit and listen to what it was like to be a woman, which is kind of cool. That's what I mean about crushing the ego. <laughs> because, well, go ahead. That's the ninja shit that you're talking about. That's like the you, ninja you, shit. You, you turned it around. It's, the only way I can describe it is it's like I'm making them heal. So they say you have to train men like I'm making them heal, like in a way that's not. I had to go through so many different levels of, of not doing the behavior that they like us to do so that they don't have to look at themselves so their ego doesn't get bruised. That's what I'm talking about. So, he, so, so then we have the whole conversation about what it's like to be a woman. And he has to listen to it. And it was amazing. And then I love the idea that it actually happened on 
the podcast. Like, I'm like, this is probably better than anything he's ever done because it's like real time and people want to hear what really, I mean, it's like dramatic. It's like, and, uh, and then after the fact, as soon as he shut it off, he's like, I'm really, I really wanted to take that part out. Yeah, go ahead. You can talk. Well, no, I think that's also what's dramatic. I mean, what's interesting to listen to is to hear you guys work out that conflict in real time Mm -hmm. and to hear you harness the energy of it, of, of, of the dialogue, take it back and say, no, I know this is your show, but you're not going to control the narrative. Like you said, well, especially if the narrative is going to be that I'm a shrill bitch, right? (laughs) It's not going to happen. I mean, think about what you just said, because even what you said, like, Oh, you're not going to, he's thinking on, you're not going to control the narrative. It's like, I'm not trying to, you're putting me in a position. They, they put you in these positions. Like you're putting me in a position to have to stand up for myself when I wasn't trying to control your narrative. I came in here very open to do your show. So do you see how many tricks go on the way they trick you and then the, we all fall for it because how you know how much strength it takes to not fall for it and not to act out and fight on the radio? and But well, it's not conscious. No, but the anger that men have towards women needs to be addressed. It needs to be addressed. And yeah. so many men will tell you, I don't have anger towards women. And I say, liar! <laughs> Any guy that tells me he doesn't have anger towards women, I say, liar. And you can email me and you can tweet me and I don't care. Because it's not natural. Everybody has a mother. And that's the thing about men. Men have to date the same sex and marry the same sex as the primary caregiver. Not me. Not you. Right. You were like, forget (laughs) it. I'm not even trying that. (laughs) (laughs) And some girls choose it. You never know. But in this heterosexual world. That I'm talking about like these headers and not, and it's funny because I even want to talk about like people like, oh, I didn't know that he could be sexist. He's gay. I'm like, oh yeah. I'm like, there's a lot of gay men that wish they were women that hate women because of that. That's another thing. And they're like, I didn't know women could be sexist. I'm like, even more sexist, which we're going to get to too, but I want to finish the podcast thing first. So, um, so then he says that thing to me about how he doesn't want to, uh, he wants to take it out of there. And I was like, oh, it's really bothering him that it was on the air that he acted poorly. That's it. That's all that's going to be on that podcast. But he kept saying he wants to learn, he wants to learn, he wants to learn. And I'm thinking, and this is the same thing I say about the money. Like, do you really want to learn? Or do you just want to say you want to learn and then you want to take that part out of the podcast? Listen to what would happen if you took that part out of the podcast. Then all you would hear was the rest of the podcast with that tone and nobody, people would think it was me. Look at that. He would take out the reason why I was talking the way I was talking about being a woman and then leave it so that I would have, then I, that's, there would be my career. Because this guy attacked me, controlled it, took it out, did all that. No, you can't bring me You can't bring me on your podcast, attack me, take it out, do whatever you want for yourself. No, it's not going to happen because guess what I would have done? If he took it out, I would have told everybody he took it out. That's the difference with me now is I will not roll over. I am not rolling over, especially to bad behavior. That's what, I mean, I'm just not doing it. And people know it now. And he was so insecure and he sent me a and then he told me about this thread he saw on, on Twitter and he sent me the Facebook message about it. And I'm thinking, what is he, what? What is he, what is he, he wants me to, and then that's the, and then they want me to take care of you. That's what I told, I spoke about this the last episode about the guy who wouldn't let me work at the comedy club and took away my money. And then he was like, what's up, Sue? I was like, no, 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 no. That's the thing women need to be aware of too. And men too, in a way, they want to be taken care of for their bad behavior. That's like, no, you're going to treat me terribly and then I'm going to take care of you after you do it? No. We're cool, right? 
we're cool. Oh, I think, yeah, that's like when you break you up mean? with somebody. They're like, you still want to be friends? You're yeah. like, I haven't even had to be able to breathe from the fact that you just punched me in the face and now you want to be cool? Like, let me have a second. And that's in women, the ang- we're not allowed to be angry or whatever. And that's what I'm learning is like, yeah, anger helps you realize it's time to set a boundary, set the boundary and keep it moving. And the only time I get angry is when I abandon myself. It's the only time I'm mad. Ask me what I'm mad about ever. And it's usually because I didn't hold on to myself. Anything else, I'm telling you. I've told you stories about people treating me horrifically. I'm not mad at anybody. I don't care because I keep taking care of myself and I keep giving it back to them. I keep giving it back to them. I keep giving it back to them. Like this club owner and the one I talked about that wouldn't let me, told me I could never work there. I kept going. I kept going. I I said, why? I had somebody who was a manager call and that manager was like, oh, he says he's not interested. I'm like, you're supposed to be a manager. I'm like, ask him why. Oh, wait till you have a sitcom. I'm like, I need to eat. Like, it's so crazy. This whole, like, nobody wants to stand up. And then you're like, I'm not going to pay you to not stand up for me to tell me. And then he called her and was trying to say, like, I was difficult. Like, I saw the whole thing. I'm like, oh, now he's going to try to use you against me. Take the woman, use the woman again. And I'm like, for what, though? I didn't even understand it. And so I, I, I went back again. And, she, and the woman was like, why do you want to do that? So what the woman said to me. I said, I'm not stopping. She goes, why would you want to do that? I was like, what do you, why would I want to do that? Because why wouldn't I want to do that? (laughs) But do you see, it's like, it's so insidious. And so guess what? I emailed him and I said, tell me, what is it? Do you not like me? Do you not think I'm funny? Do you not think I will sell tickets? And guess what? I got an email back saying, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll consider you for availability. It's a movement. It's not, it's not work yet, but guess what? Yeah, he told me I could never, ever, 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 ever work there. And because he didn't have an answer. He could have said, I don't think you're funny. I don't think you'll sell tickets. He didn't say that. But this is what it takes. This is what it takes for women to stand up for themselves. And that's this whole idea of the, the guys. Like even the guy I was talking to yesterday, he's like, I didn't even, I don't even understand half this stuff. So you know, a lot of them, what they're doing is they're going through their their brain, they're like, did I, do, did I ever do anything? Did I ever do anything? Did I ever do anything? They probably did. Like this whole idea of, it's like this ego protection, like I want to be so pure and instead of being like, I probably did somewhere. That's, so in, as long as they're saying, did I ever do anything? We're never going to get anywhere. Because they're still going through their Rolodex to try to protect themselves instead of trying to change the situation. Does that, you understand what I'm saying yeah. about that? So they're going, did I ever do anything? How can I protect myself? And that's the male ego. And we have to navigate our way through that. And the the male ego does not want the women to do the business. I'm telling you, they literally look at me like, you're a woman, you don't exist. You, what you're saying doesn't mean anything to me right now. And then I keep talking and I keep talking and I watch the change go. And they're like, oh, oh. And some of that's nature. There is a male-female thing that's going on, but the ego, the male ego needs to be taken down like a hundred notches. And that being said, so then, and I also think that the women, like this whole idea of meeting in the middle, that's what I want everybody to, that's what I, I mean, I keep thinking, I'm looking at Twitter today, I'm like, I can't even tolerate what's going on in the country because I feel like we've all boxed ourselves in so much that I'm like, I just want to go outside the box. I just want to go over here and do my podcast, create my own thing and figure out maybe Maybe I'll create my own thing and not even, I can't even get involved with that old behavior because it's dead, it's gone. It's like, nobody's happy with it and I'm not going to do it. I'm going to come over here and I'm going to say, let's go back to the middle because somehow we have gotten so far apart that we're totally isolated and miserable and no, it's crazy. 
in every way, politically, men and women, right? Every way, race, you name it, gender, you name it. The millennials, those, I'm telling you, everybody's even, and it's because everybody's projecting onto people. They're projecting onto the millennials. These people are selfish. They have this, they have, would you want to be born into this shit sh show? I mean, seriously, imagine if this is when you were born, you were like, what? Are you kidding me? I didn't even choose to be here. And this is what I was talking to this girl. It was so, they don't even have anywhere to live. They have to live with their parents and no one's paying any attention. It's crazy to me. It makes me absolutely mental because it's not reality. It's like an illusion that everybody's, it's an illusion of like greed and like anger and resent. And if I just really believe that if one thing just changes it around, that that's how quickly like a miracle could happen. I really believe that. But somebody has to do it. And that's the reason, like, oh, lately, at least I've been feeling good because I feel like I'm doing something. I'm saying something. I'm doing what I want to do. I'm saying something different. I'm like, so the women, so he, the link he had sent me was this, this exchange. This woman had tweeted it about um, how men, like, men don't understand physically how they scare us because they're just physical. And they're kind of like, they're not aware. Of, a lot of people aren't aware of their own body space and everything. They're not aware of, they're not even in their body. Like, our body's supposed to be at home. Most people aren't even in their body. There's nobody even home. So... Being present is like to ask people, but that speaks to what I was just talking about. This, this. So in my play, I talk about I, I literally show from a child how I push down the real me, create this false self, push it all into my brain so I don't feel the obsession starts, and how the obsession takes me down as an adult, and how I have to heal it all and get back into my heart and become more human. And this whole idea of like this mirroring and this connecting with people and I need people and taking the good and leaving the rest and like how do I communicate and how do I have a conversation? People can't even communicate nowadays because they're so busy to take each other down. Like even if I said something on here and everybody said to you were wrong, I would literally be like, all right, calm down. Calm down. Okay. What are you saying? Because it... There's no person out there that's going to be exactly like you unless it's a mommy, unless it's the womb. And that's what everybody's looking for. They're looking for to crawl back in there. I mean, think about it. I mean, I could get graphic with the sex and everything and be like, they're trying to get back in there. I mean, come on. Let's get real here, people. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. I can't help it, though. But... <laughs> I wish people could see your face. You're like, gross. I know, because you're not into it, but the, but the straight guys are. <laughs> oh, but it's just deep. It's deep. It's the primary caregiver. We want mommy to, and there's no mommy that's perfect out there. So if you're a mom out there, I don't have kids, but I'm telling you right now, I'm giving you such a pass that if you're not perfect, it's okay, because I've never met anybody that said, oh my gosh, I had the most amazing, beautiful childhood, and my mother was so nerd nurturing it doesn't it does not exist i want to give i want to be by my own imperf imperfections i want to give people a break to be able to be that's why i did the play the play shows everything it shows how i was suffered abuse how how i became the abuser that's what happens a lot you you get abused you i mean my neighborhood was we fought we were i mean out of our minds and i became that i never wanted anybody to get near my wound or get near my vulnerability i would attack and I had to learn how not to. And I went to therapy and I learned it was never okay to put your hands on another human being. And I had to learn what socialization was. And I had to learn about even my sexuality. Like, I didn't know I was Irish Catholic. It was like, it was bad if you even thought about it. You go to hell. I mean, what the heck is that from the sixth grade? That's what they would tell you. Don't think about sex. 
Don't think about sex. Don't think about sex. You're like, why'd you bring it up? I'm only six. My brain can't even handle that. It was so weird. That alone will <laughs> fuck you up. Right. That's what I do on stage. That's what I talk about. The stuff I talk about on stage is like this deep stuff that's that goes like, yeah, it will screw you up to talk about sex before you're even in a position to talk about it. Like before you're even uh, emotionally capable of handling it. Mm hmm. I mean, that's the hypocrisy, the whole thing, like everybody's just faking. I, I did this joke 20 years ago that this girl was a vegetarian and we would go out to eat and she was so judgmental. And every time we went out to eat, I would order a steak just to piss her off. And she would be like, I can't believe you're doing that. I can't believe you're doing that. I can't believe you're doing that. Do you know what they do to those little animals? Now, mind you, this is the same girl that parked in the handicapped spot outside the abortion clinic. <laughs> that was my joke 20 years ago. I knew what was happening. That's what people do. It's like, and then I'm like, the perfectionism, the people are trying to be perfect and it's like nobody's perfect and we're all acting like nuts instead of just going, oh my God, are you a mess? I'm a mess too. I told them, I'm gonna, this is a good thing to close on. So I went to Nantucket. I did the Nantucket Film Festival. Everybody knows Nantucket. It's like one of the most wealthy. I mean, I wear my Nantucket t-shirt in East Hampton, which is like the second most wealthy place. And they're like, I wish I lived on Nantucket. Like that's how exclusive Nantucket is. And so I did the Showtime storytelling event. And I just, it was right when I really started being like, I'm just going to be me. I'm just going to be me. And I got on stage and I wore a t-shirt that said, forget about the Joneses. Because I've been, plan I've been working on this, this whole idea of like, stop comparing, despairing, stop it. That's what we do. We compare our insides to other people's outsides and then we feel less than. And it's uh, Instagram, it's everything. It's FOMO. It's like, it's making us all devastated and not keeping us awake enough to stand up to this like 1% taking advantage. They love it. They love it. Go shopping. Go to the mall. Eat the pretzels. Drink the Jamba Juice. Do it all. Go to Starbucks. Gamble it away while we're over here stealing everything. So, um, so I get on stage and I tell the story about how I, when I first moved to New York that I thought I was gay. Well, my sister was gay and then I went to the gay parade because I wanted to support her and then I cried. Because, and I didn't know why I cried. And then I was like, oh, it's probably because I'm gay. But then I didn't tell the therapist right away. And if you go to therapy, always tell the therapist if you want to talk about something in the beginning of the therapy session because what happened was I waited till the end and I go, I went to the gay parade and I cried and she's like, oh, we're going to have to talk about that next week. And then I was completely and totally obsessed as to why she said that to me. And I was like, why did I just do that to myself? So uh, I went and it was when payphones were still around and I was just starting out as an actress and I got a call that I had an audition for Pat Sweeney. And there was like a jackhammer in the background. I was still obsessed about what the therapist had told me. Uh, and, and all I heard was Pat Sweeney. It was at the time when Pat, it's Pat, was on Saturday Night Live. It was like the asexual, you couldn't tell if she was a boy or a girl. And when I tell you, I was completely devastated. And I was like, oh my God, how do they get a call for it's Pat and they think Sue Costello would be perfect? <laughs> oh my God, I went home and I cried. I lied down on the floor and I was like, I can't believe that this is what, maybe I've been in denial. Maybe that's why the therapist said we're going to have to talk about that. She must have been like, how could you not know you're gay? You look like Pat. And I'm like, oh, I was so crazy. I mean, this is how hard it is to grow, everybody. This is what it takes. So I was like, so then I gave myself a pep talk and I was like, I'm going to be the best Pat they've ever seen. I'm not going to just go there. I'm going to get dressed like Pat. I got dressed like Pat. I put my pants up to my boobs. I put the glasses on. I put the wig on. I'm telling you. And I was like, oh, hi. Oh, I took the bus because I was like, I have to make sure that I'm in character. I took the bus. I was like, excuse me. Oh, hi. Oh, hi. Oh, how you doing? Oh. I walk into the audition. Everybody's looking at me like I'm the biggest freak show you've ever seen in your entire life. 
And I'm like, and my ego, this is the ego, right? Protecting yourself. And I'm like, uh, and social cues. Like I had to go to therapy to pick up on social cues. I was completely co- twisted up inside. So I'm like, oh, of course, there guys and girls. I'm like, of course, there's guys and girls. It doesn't matter if Pat's a girl or a guy. I'm like, they don't have a costume on. They're not going to get the role. Oh, I'm so nervous. Oh, my God. And all of a sudden, they call me in the audition. And I'm not joking. The lady was standing in the corner as if I was about to murder her. <laughs> Like I was like, like I had some sort of disease on my body. Like she was like, what, uh, like don't make any sudden moves. She was looking at me and I didn't, I didn't pick up on it until afterwards because I was like, oh, hi, oh my God, so nervous for the audition. Oh my God. And so I go in and, and all of a sudden she's like, can you sit down? And as soon, you know how when all of a sudden something happens and you're like, uh, something's terribly awry. <laughs> when she said, can you sit down? It like snapped me out of it, but I didn't want to completely get out of it because I was like probably embarrassed. So I was kind of half in it and half out. I'm like, uh. Isn't that going to ruin my character? And she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? This is a casting director. She goes, what the fuck are you talking about? I go, oh. (laughs) Inside, I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. I go, "Uh, isn't this an audition for Pat? She goes, yeah. I go, Pat Sweeney? She goes, yeah. I go, because Julia Sweeney played Pat on Saturday Night Live? She goes, the fuck are you talking about? She goes, she goes, Pat Sweeney is the casting director. This is a Goldie Hawn look-alike audition. All you have to do is look at the camera and look away. Oh, my gosh. I was so mortified. Walker, I was so mortified. And so I told that story on stage in Nantucket. And when I got off stage, Walker, it was like I opened the entire joint up. They were cornering me. They were like, I love you. I'm so sick of being perfect. I can't believe you just told that story. They're like, I love you. And then Chris Matthews was there. He's like, Sue Costello, I love every friggin' thing about you. And then I remember I went back to do my play like a month later and there was a lady, I'm talking dripping in diamonds, like waspy on the like little shuttle. And she kept staring at me and she's like, are you, are you Sue Costello? I'm like, yeah. She's like, did you, did you tell that story about that audition? And she's like, you're the most talented person. I, I've never seen so much talent. And I was like, oh, oh, this is it. This is what I did when I first started doing my stand-up. And then everybody told me, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, you got to do this. So then I listened to them. But now I'm like, no. My messiness is what's making everybody like literally corner me. So now finally I'm able to read all these signs with these guys, crush their ego in a way that's like holds them. That's the only way I can describe it. I'm still, I'm not taking care of them, but I'm not ruining them either. And that's what I mean by being feminist, like being for the man. Like I'm going to stand up for myself, but I'm not going to let you fall off the cliff at the same time because we need each other. We need each other. And doing this whole yucky, gross hatred thing is not working. So, and I don't want to do it. I don't hate people. So, and people are like, well, you can't be like that. I'm like, well, maybe I can. Maybe I can. Let's see. I'm going to roll the dice. I'm going to see if I can do it. And I can stand up for the women and for the men at the same time. And work both my energies. Like, be feminine when I want to. And push back with my masculine energy when somebody pushes up on me. And make him keep it on the podcast when he says, sets me up that way. And let him deal with his feelings. He's probably really uncomfortable. But that's how you change. You have to get uncomfortable, people. The next episode, we're going to talk about art and commerce. So stay tuned. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.